Listen, there's a great work to be done. As soon as you win this court battle, you must deliver this message. Take advantage of this opportunity and declare a powerful message to this world. He expects more of us. He believes we can do more. Who's going to stop Christ? Who's going to stop Christ from getting this work done? This is Behind the Work. Welcome to Behind the Work. I'm Grant Turgeon. The message delivered by God's work today through the Philadelphia Church of God really is life-saving. I mean that literally. It has literally saved people's lives. People who were considering a really devastating alternative the late educator and theologian Herbert W. Armstrong, the founder of the Worldwide Church of God, had an experience with someone who was considering suicide. This was early February 1941. He was, there was a man who was deeply discouraged and yet, by the intervention of God, he was able to hear Mr. Armstrong's radio broadcasts. He wrote a letter saying that this message got through to him and made him realize that he didn't need to commit suicide. He needed a relationship with Christ. Now, Mr. Armstrong was able to give him personal help. And this was just one example of the impact that God's message was having on people. Even here at the very small beginning of God's work in the Philadelphia era, Mr. Armstrong wrote in chapter 41 of his autobiography, more and more evidence piled up demonstrating the power of God working and energizing his work through us. But just think about a message that can save someone from committing suicide. That is truly an impactful, life-saving message. And how is a message like that done? How is it possible to deliver a message that is literally life-saving? Philippians 4 verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is how it is done. It is done by God's power. No human being can take credit for this. Mr. Armstrong acknowledged this. It is about trusting in God. Mr. Armstrong learned this throughout his entire life. And what a lesson it was to trust God and see the results pour in. Matthew 19 verse 26 says, 
Jesus Christ speaking. With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You see, the power in God's work is not to the credit of any human being. It is not because of Mr. Armstrong that a man decided not to commit suicide. It was because of God's power. Mr. Armstrong wrote, What man could start out without money, without support or backing, without any car and having to walk or hitchhike on his own, with an unpopular message to which people were hostile, and expect to get that message preached and published to the millions on all continents around the world? With man, it certainly is impossible. But I was not looking to people for support. I was relying on God. What an ex inspiring example Mr. Armstrong was. He truly did not care what other people thought. He learned to care about God's opinion above all else. Mr. Armstrong continued, the things God does through man must always start small, usually the very smallest, but they grow big until they become the biggest. Now, now Mr. Armstrong had to go through quite a lot of hard times and he had to really learn to trust God wholeheartedly, even while the work grew slowly. But it eventually got to a point where every two years and seven and a half months, the work would double in size, double in the number of people reached, double in the number of conversions, doubling in radio power and in scope of operation. Just truly miraculous growth. All because Mr. Armstrong trusted God. What made this message so unique was that he was not tied to the support of any group of people. He gave the example of leading evangelists who basically become like celebrities acclaimed by millions. But they are leading organizations of men. They're not leading God's work. And so these popular evangelists have to deliver a specific kind of message, a message essentially pre-approved by their audience. They can only speak what is allowed by their audience or else they'll lose all their support and they'll become insignificant. The difference with Mr. Armstrong was that he actually completely relied on God. And so God provided all the support he needed. God provided the workers, the laborers, the volunteers, the supporters of God's work. And so Mr. Armstrong did not have to be concerned about other people's opinions. 
He just had to worry about pleasing God, and then God would provide people of like mind to support the work. And that's just a pretty incredible way to do it. Obviously, it takes a lot of faith to do it this way. Mr. Armstrong wrote about these popular evangelists, but such men come and they go. Their work is foredoomed to die. If they are backed by men, supported by organized men, they must become the willing tool of such organizations. But when one is truly called and chosen of God, he must become wholly yielded to God as God's servant, and he must speak God's word truthfully, else God's support is withdrawn. What a difference. It really is a major difference. Where the support comes from, where the trust lies. Mr. Armstrong trusted God, and God provided everything Mr. Armstrong needed. He quoted a couple of really inspirational verses here. Matthew 15, verse 13, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted shall be rooted up. And then Psalm 127, verse 1, Except the eternal build the house, they labor in vain that build it. So there's these analogies, a plant or a house, a plant that has poisoned roots or it's built, it's, it's planted in rocky ground, isn't watered and given the nutrients it needs, will fail to grow. It will wither and it will die. A house built on an unsteady, crumbling foundation will very soon collapse. And so it is with God's work. Building God's work on the foundation of the opinions of human beings simply will fail every time. God's work relies totally on God. God's servants have to rely totally on him. And the thing about God's work is it lasts beyond the lifespan of any human being. Mr. Armstrong died in 1986, and yet God's work is still here today. It did not die with Mr. Armstrong, although it came close, although the rebels in the church after Mr. Armstrong certainly tried to make God's work die. But that work was raised back up. And through the Philadelphia Church of God, through Mr. Gerald Flurry today, that work continues. That work is a plant planted by God, a house built by God. And because God is behind it, it really doesn't matter what anyone else thinks or what anyone else does. God's work can withstand Relentless attacks and persecution. In 1979, an entire state attacked God's work. The state of California 
and they couldn't bring God's work down. The Bible says the gates of hell can't prevail against God's work. God is behind it. And those doing God's work trust totally in him. And it really does work. Mr. Armstrong wrote, looking back now over the actual physical circumstances, conditions, and happenings of those years, it seems utterly incredible that a work started in such a humble, crude manner without any visible backing could have survived, let alone continue to grow at the pace of 30% a year. Yes, absolutely miraculous that the work survived and not only survived, but thrived. And here in chapter 41 of the autobiography, which you can get for free at thetrumpet.com, the autobiography of Herbert W. Armstrong, he talks about some of the remarkable experiences he had in these early years. There are a lot of letters that he received from people impacted by the work, people inspired by the radio message, and even people who could tell that Mr. Armstrong was reaching a totally unique audience on the radio. This wasn't the typical church-going audience. Mr. Armstrong learned to fashion the radio program to appeal to the largest audience possible, not to the religious, to the churchgoers, but to people who just simply have questions about the world around them, people with an open mind who are ready to learn, people who wonder and have questions about the Bible, perhaps, or what's going on in the world. How, how can world events be explained? Mr. Armstrong reached out to those types of people, not the religious. Generally, people who are already religious are a little more set in their ways and maybe will not be as open to God's truth anyway. Like I mentioned earlier, though, this message really was impactful. It saved a man from committing suicide. It also converted atheists. Here is, here is an example maybe you never heard of. This one is really just stunning. Here's a letter that Mr. Armstrong received from an atheist. He said, Dear Mr. Armstrong, I started listening to your broadcasts in September 1938. And since that time, I have been coming to my senses. In other words, you have been the medium through which God has acted to blast away my atheistic ideas, false conceptions, and idiotic philosophies. This, to me, is a modern miracle, for I have long considered myself impregnable to what seemed to be the greatest myth of all time, God and the Bible. I've been listening for a long time to various pastors, ministers, and preachers, if only for the malicious pleasure of finding fault with what they say. The first time I tuned on you, I was stuck. Then I started thinking, probably for the first time in years. Then I started regretting. I didn't deserve it, 
but found the door open when I knocked. It's marvelous how much different one's attitude is when it is taken from a spiritual angle. All things seem different. It's something God only can do for a person. I wish you could reach a much larger audience, and I'm praying for the time when you can. So that was written, I believe, in 1940 or 1941. Back when the work was pretty small. And here an atheist had the scales removed from his eyes. He had the earplugs pulled out of his ears. And finally he could see and hear the truth. He was blasted awake by God's truth. This man was Basil Wolverton. Perhaps you're familiar with that name. He created the Bible story, which is a beloved series of books that God's church has relied on for a long time. Bible story. The Bible story explains the truth of the Bible in a way that even children can understand. And it's also illustrated. He created the original worldwide church of God version of the Bible story. So he went from atheist brazen scoffer to the creator of the Bible story because he heard that message from God. He heard God's truth and he, he woke up. He realized this was not a message from a man. Only God could work a miracle like this to shatter all of the false beliefs of an atheist. Only God could prevent a suicide, as mentioned earlier, in such a powerful way. A message of a man cannot work miracles like this. So really, it becomes quite clear that it paid off for Mr. Armstrong to trust in God for the support he needed. Mr. Armstrong dedicated himself to God's work and he simply trusted God. He didn't worry about what human beings would think. He preached God's truth for a lifetime. And eventually that work did grow. Many, many millions of listeners and readers around the world. And Mr. Armstrong met with hundreds of world leaders toward the end of his life. That work did grow. It was blessed because God was behind all of it. Here at the end of chapter 41 of the autobiography, Mr. Armstrong recounts his weekend routine. I believe this is from 1941 through 1942, maybe starting at the end of 1940. But every weekend, Mr. Armstrong would be on the radio in Seattle and also 
in Portland. So he would have to drive hundreds of miles each weekend to get to this, the radio station in Seattle, deliver that show, drive back down to Portland, deliver a radio show there. And then that, that night, once he got back to Eugene, Oregon, he would deliver a sermon to members of the church. And I believe other people who were interested in attending personal appearance campaigns. So you talk about a, an action-packed Sunday, speaking three times in one day, and traveling all day long in between. Just making the work his entire life. And God supported him all through this and gave him the power, gave him the energy, gave him the health and the zeal and the Holy Spirit to do all of this. Mr. Armstrong said, quite simply, it was a grind. (laughs) That was how Mr. Armstrong described this weekend routine that lasted about two years. And all this time he was doing it with a beaten up, broken down old car that couldn't really withstand these long drives every weekend. And so God provided him with a new car that was well beyond his means And somehow he got an excellent deal on it. And he was working with a car, a car salesman who really wanted him to have this nice car and helped work that out. So every step of the way, as Mr. Armstrong did God's work, God would provide, God would support him. It didn't matter if he was alone in the world, the only one. God still supported him. And in fact, Mr. Armstrong did have a lot of humans supporting him too. A lot of people willing to sacrifice, a lot of people willing to make their the work their life as well. And it really worked out. Sacrificing, working, focusing on the work, and giving everything they had. This was part of the infinitesimally small start of God's work, but really the providential start of God's work. And what an example for all of us where Mr. Armstrong was able to do the impossible because God was on his side. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Behind the Work. You've been listening to Behind the Work. Email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for a new episode each Monday at 12 p.m. Central Time.